Would you let your kids go back to school? I will. My kids are looking forward to it. Yes. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as I can. <laughs> Without a hesitation. Without a hesitation, yes. Oh, my God. I have no concerns about sending my child to school in the fall. I would let my kids go back to school. Dr. John Torres, NBC News. So were they shocked? They all by- said yes. Were they shocked by that? MSNBC, five doctors asked, would you put your kids back in school? Oh, yes, absolutely. Without a doubt. With Without no hesitation. hesitation. Right, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, well, they all said yes, said the anchor with his eyes wide and his face uh, ashen. He wasn't, he wasn't sure what to make Shouldn't of it. Shouldn't that mean something? Yeah. The doctor said, well, yeah, I'd send my kid back to school. Kid's got to go to school. <laughs> I should be back in school. Yes, Greta. Yes. You're right. Hey, Mike Tyson's going to fight a shark. More on that coming up. <sighs> I'm betting on the shark. Yeah, I'm scanning the headlines. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So it's, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, the the uh, Venn diagram. That's the overlap in circles. You've seen these, right? The Venn diagram of things we agree upon as Americans is getting smaller and smaller. I think the 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 circle of people that know what a Venn diagram is and the circle of people that listen to the show is a pretty big overlap. That's a good point. So I think we're pretty good there. Yeah, and some of it's uh, ideological and intentional as they're trying to tear us apart. Uh, some of it is just uh, the difficulty of, say, for instance, I don't know, off the top of my head, a pandemic where little is actually known. <laughs> so uh, I don't know much about this Twitter thing that happened yesterday. There was a hack. There's a, They shut down the blue check marks all across America. Was America okay if the blue check marks were not allowed to tweet for a while? Good Lord, no. We may never recover. I pointed this. I painted. Where, where's my article on that freaking Twitter thing? Oh, there it is. For a few glorious moments, Twitter belonged to us, the unverified. And it was great. <laughs> the unwashed masses. Get away from me, commoner. Yeah, somebody hacked the account of uh, President Barry Obama, Joe Biden, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Kanye West, Michael Bloomberg, and Apple. So a little. Remember big... when Mike Bloomberg was going to be president for a cup of coffee? <laughs> Wait till Bloomberg gets in. Until he opened his mouth. So they didn't necessarily hack those individual accounts. What they seem to have done is get into um, kind of the background programming of Twitter, which allowed them access to any Twitter account they wanted. So they could just pick and choose what they wanted. And they picked a super heavyweight. Interestingly enough, some experts are saying it almost had to be an inside job. Uh, Twitter support has said that... uh, it was a social engineering attack, which is where you identify a person and through various uh, misinformation and trickery, you kind of get them to do your bidding for you. And of course, they mm. used this ability to hack some of the biggest accounts, most important accounts in the world to move markets, to start wars. No, actually, they cooked up an idiotic scam in which they said, hey, I'm feeling generous. Send us a thousand, send me a thousand bucks worth of bit can. What do you got, a tape over there? Or what? Oh, yeah, yeah. what are I you was, gesturing at? I was just reminding is that you an obscene bit. gesture? Is that a gang <laughs> no, sign? No, this is the obscene <laughs> that gesture. Was a white, that was a white supremacy <laughs> gesture. That's inappropriate. That That's, probably is. I was trying to remind that we have a uh, reporter talking about the... Oh, go uh, ahead. Yeah, effects. why not? You know, Kanye West's uh, Twitter account, Elon Musk, all these people who are influencers in these spaces and people who use Bitcoin um, you know, they were able to get some dupes over $100,000 in the first couple of hours. That That's the scary thing. And again, we don't really understand what happened. There, there are guesses out there by people who work in dark web spaces who uh, go and buy hacked accounts that 
maybe there was some access to the uh, admin console, which is basically the, the entirety of the back end of Twitter, which allows you to tweet from any account on Twitter. Um, and like you said, you know, we have a president that will uh, tweet things in the middle of the night that, you know, can cause some panic. Um, these people could have done an incredible amount of harm. And uh, uh, maybe they still can. We don't really full, fully know yet. We're just lucky this didn't happen on like November first, November second. Well, yeah. So uh, and it happened yeah. now, and all they want was some money. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's a good point. Right before the election, but so what these uh, evil geniuses did was cook up a Nigerian prince-style scam that said, "I'm feeling generous. Send me a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. I'll send you two thousand back." And apparently, speaking of Venn diagrams, the overlap of people so stupid. That they would fall for that, but they have a thousand dollars and know how to get Bitcoin going within the hour. Okay, I, I couldn't. That overlap is precisely one hundred people, and these these guys got a hundred thousand dollars. That's interesting on its own. It's very interesting, but I'm with Sean. I think whoever had the ability and had this power. This was some sort of test or something. You would not waste this. Well, they also by having access to that the kind of the the back door. Uh, application of Twitter, they they have access to all of these accounts. They could have just gone in their direct messages, right? Like, who knows what sort of business dealings or things Elon Musk was tweeting about or uh, exchanging what he thought yeah. was in confidence. There are so many possible points of uh, data infiltration. Like, I don't even know the full scope of how we, bad this uh, could be. I need to disagree with you, though, Jack. That uh, you're playing chess over checkers over there, and I'm I'm about to play chess. I mean, if you three dimensional chess, if you get (laughs) all chess is three dimensional, if you get access to that, the last thing it'd be like if the United States and and, uh, and Israel allegedly who were behind the Stuxnet virus that screwed up Iran's uh, nuclear Mm -hmm. centrifuges. Oh, speaking of which, there have been like seven explosions in various buildings around Iran connected to their nuclear program. I haven't heard that. That's a shame. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a terrible, uh, you know, safety record there. And uh there's some thought that, I don't know, certain countries might be uh, uh, behind it. Anyway, but if the U.S. gets this, uh, if America and Israel get the Stuxnet into Iran, the last thing we're going to do is first use it to flip on and off the lights or, you know, <laughs> make, all, make all their water fountains hot. <laughs> the last thing you do is announce your presence. Well, that's why it's got to be, it's got to be... Something I don't understand. Like, this showed that a certain technique works. Now we're going to use it on something bigger or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. You're obviously a smart person if you're able to get into Twitter and do all these things. Sure. You could have moved markets. You have all of those people tweet, hey, congratulations on... You know, whatever com- company, good job on your 500% earnings or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, well, I, from although, Trump's account talking about a new China trade deal yeah, or something that's yeah, going down. That's a great one. This is the flip side of the coin we were talking about the other day, though. I guess it was on the podcast with the different sorts of intelligence. You said they're smart people. These people have a specific skill set. That doesn't mean they, they have imagination or or grand designs or anything. They just wanted some money. Did they tweet anything from Trump's account? No. The, the, the fact that they left that alone is pretty interesting, too. See, if you're going to jerk with a bunch of accounts and you got Obama and Elon Musk and all these, and you don't do Trump's? Maybe they just thought it's unreal or so ridiculous that 
it wouldn't work to say Trump's going to send you two thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin. Boy, that's a great one, Sean. I if mean, you, granted, the idea that Barack Obama's going to do it is idiotic as well. But. If you had enough money to be involved in the stock market and you could get Obama and Trump and Elon Musk and Mike Bloomberg to all tweet at the same time, congratulations on the on the trade deal with China. You you would be able to make a gazillion dollars off the market before anybody corrected that. Problem. How about you sell GM short and tweet, so sorry to hear one of the great American corporations is going out of business. General Motors is closing in November. I mean, can Trump you and Obama tweet that? Yes. How long would it take to straighten that out? An hour at least. By then, the market has moved so much. Oh, yeah, you, you cash out, you, you go. Do you guys want to hear what the... You're living with that Jazane Maxwell woman in a private compound. <laughs> no, I'm not. She's a rapist. Uh, what Twitter has, has said about this. Um, so their Twitter support Twitter account said, uh, we detected what we believe to be a coordinated social engineering attack by people who successfully targeted some of our employees with access to internal systems and tools. We know they use this access to take control of highly visible, including verified accounts, and tweet on their behalf. We are looking into what other malicious activity they may have conducted or information they may have accessed, right. and we'll share it more as we have blah, it. And then they kind of go blah. on. More. What's a social engineering attack? Uh, it is. It, it is briefly getting somebody on the phone. <laughs> what happened to the Sean Gong? Do we still have that? Yeah, it's, I think it's over there. To your credit, that we never even we don't even know where the Gong is. Sean. Uh, yeah. I hit it. Uh, <laughs> to our discredit, the the use of deception to manipulate individuals into divulging confidential or personal information that may be used for fraudulent purposes. So you find a patsy on the inside. I'm done. That wasn't too long, really. I no. just wanted to see if the gong still worked. It uh, does. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's using, it's getting somebody to unlock the door on the inside and let you in okay. as opposed to breaking in. Mm. Okay, fair mm. enough. Mm. That's interesting. Yep. Wow. Yeah, 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 and the other thing, so you're the sort of person that has this power and you don't want to use it to mess with the election? I want money. You throw out a tweet from Donald Trump on election day? That won't get me money. Early in the morning? <laughs> But I want money. That's true. It wouldn't get you money. But, man, you could have an effect on the election. I don't want an effect. I want money. I'm just thinking of various scenarios. You know, oh, yeah. some just outlandish policy. Oh, yeah. Uh, or or tweet it from Obama and Biden's accounts. R- right. Tweet a, uh, you know, and, and combine that with a deep fake or whatever. And you have o- Obama and Elon Musk and Apple and 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 Kanye West and others tweeting a video of Joe Biden dropping n bombs. That's a deep fake. Oof. Yeah, come on. That is going to happen in my lifetime. Yes, it will. Um, or something, you know, obviously something of the same shape. Very yeah. similar is going to happen in my lifetime. How long would it take to correct that? Never. What, you, do, you, what no. do you mean by correct? Fifty years from now, people would be saying. You know, Joe Biden turned out to be a racist and well, it would uh, lost take, the election. It would take a day to get 50% of normal people to think, oh, okay, it was a deep fake. It would take a day to get that straightened out. I mean, if you did it on election day, it'd be too late. And then a whole bunch of people, like you said, would never stop believing it. Well, yeah, I mean, if I were, gosh, dang it. I mean, I, I can't be in this business because I have a conscience, but I could see unscrupulous political operatives of whom there are many when that uh, video I just uh, described comes out, they'll say, well, I, some people are questioning the authenticity, but I find it very, very troubling. That video is very disturbing. They would not jump in there. Oh, that's fake. Don't listen to it, folks. Don't vote for our guy. That was fake. No, they would make ambiguous statements thinking, I didn't do it, but I don't hate it. <laughs> 
And then, yeah, it would take weeks and weeks and weeks for 50% of people to say that was fake. A lot of you listeners are super clever. What would have been a good thing to to tweet out from whose account that could have really made you a lot of money or moved markets or affected the election? Any take- jackass can kick down a barn. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Bloomberg. Uh, Bloomberg. Um, our text line is 415-295-KFTC, 415-295-KFTC. A number of other things to catch up on. Stay tuned. So that's Billy Joel. He's out for a bike ride and he sees some people put an old piano out on the street for trash. And he pulls over in his bike and plays a little piano. And says, this piano's fine. Yeah. Donate it to somewhere. You want to buy it? No? Then shut up. Yeah, Billy, you want to haul it across town? <laughs> it ain't cheap. You ever tried to sell a used piano? Wow. I I have uh, had a friend who was trying to give away a used piano and could not. Well, I bought one, and you can get a really great piano for not much money. Oh, yeah. And then you have a piano in your living room that your kids do not play. <laughs> uh, but it makes you look sophisticated. Uh, I want to yeah. get a big black grand piano. I'd love that. Um, I'll plunk around. A number of things. I'll just run through a couple of stories here. Teens are dressing up as mask-wearing grandmas to buy booze. That's not a bad idea. You're going to make me wear a mask? Well, now I'm a 17-year-old in a mask, and you don't know how old I am. Have you seen some of the videos of, of these kids? This is my favorite thing that's come out of the whole coronavirus thing. I think this is great. Children drinking? That's your favorite thing to come yeah. out of this? Alcohol yeah, yeah, abuse right. by children. Very nice. <laughs> so you grab granny's uh, driver's license and you head out with your mask on, huh? Uh, and they, they they go full on. They have like gray hair wigs and scarves over their head, right? There's even ones where they're walking in with walkers and like they, they are going <sighs> full on costume with it. <laughs> People uh, like getting removed from their senses. <laughs> Montana and Alabama are the latest states to issue mask mandates. Huh. Nearly half of all governors have issued some type of mask requirement. Uh, Oklahoma Governor uh, Kevin Stitt is the first <laughs> governor to test positive for COVID in the country. Um, but, you know, most more, more than likely, it's not a big deal. you got to stay alone for a while, but... It ain't going to be that big a deal. Mm-hmm. We also got this text, crown molding, which is an answer to a question I was asking yesterday during the podcast, and <laughs> somebody uh, responded. So thank you for that. Thank you, you for that. Excellent. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go to uh, our One More Thing podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. One of the police, big police unions uh, endorsed Donald Trump yesterday. Um, only mattered to me when uh, I was told that this very same union endorsed Obama, Biden, when they were running. Correct. Did not endorse last election. They didn't take a choice between Trump and Hillary, but did endorse Obama and now is endorsing Trump, uh, which fits into if if he's going to make a big push, that's going to work. If there's going to be a surprise. It's going to be all about the law and order stuff, I think. If there's going to be a surprise, you know, that goes against the polls. Hey, what the heck? It's going to be the law and order stuff. I think there's a good chance of that. It's just so long before the election. The current, you know, waves of angst and unhappiness and violence in some cases and the rest of it. Will it last? Will it get significantly better? Will it get worse? I just don't know. I mentioned 2020 has been particularly uh, uh, shameless in throwing stuff at us we never saw coming. Yeah. 
I mentioned that I fell through my trampoline yesterday, which is a sign of something. I don't know what it would be, but... Uh, sign of ah! gravity? Gravity's uh, relentless uh, you know, campaign to pull you down to the earth. I think it's my trampoline saying, all right, that's enough. Gravity, I just, gravity always trying to keep me down. Now you've killed me. You can't go to the donut shop every day and then come out here and jump on me. You just can't, the right. trampoline said. Send a message. It's really helping. It's tough love. Yeah. Um, the anniversary, the 100-year anniversary of the very first commercial radio broadcast is coming up. KDKA Pittsburgh. Uh, I had to know that for a test once. Yeah, I did too. Broadcast the first time. So broadcast radio has been around for 100 years, commercial radio. Rockin' the hits of 1920. Here's the opening broadcast. There is no one listening to this broadcast, as this industry doesn't yet exist. Nobody has a radio. It's not even clear to me why I'm speaking now. (laughs) Anyway, the very first broadcast, November 2nd, was to broadcast the results between Warren G. Harding and James Cox. Harding won. Mm. Presidential results. A big thing. Political talk was the start of broadcast radio. Yeah, of AM radio. Wow, thank you. Harding V. Cox. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's an absolute disaster. It's solving exactly nothing. And as a matter of fact, it's making all the problems worse. But other than that, how's it going? Uh, Insider. (laughs) That is Erica Sandberg writing for the City Journal in San Francisco about the whole idea of putting homeless people in hotels and motels. To keep them away from the COVID. So how's it going again? Sources are telling me what they are seeing inside the hotels. And it is about as, as bad as you could imagine, only exponentially worse. Uh, mm. You're talking drug-fueled parties, overdoses, deaths. People are being assaulted. Uh, you have sexual assaults going on. It is pandemonium. It is extremely bad. And it needs to stop. Uh, it seems to be a negative tint to the uh, her reporting on this story. Well, it's solving absolutely nothing. In fact, it's making things worse. The <laughs> idea seemed on its face to be crazy. It turns or out it, it was, or at least very risky. So again, the idea was to put homeless people in hotels and motels at taxpayer expense to make things better for the COVID. Uh, she's got some more on this. Also, she goes on on this report. The people who are assigned as disaster workers, and these are, you know, these people have been librarians. They're um, just paper pushers, administrators who are reassigned to these hotels. And what they are telling me is beyond the pale. They are not just horrified, they are traumatized by what they see. You have mattresses that have feces on them, blood, yeah. uh, hospital bands all, uh, on the floor. It is completely out of control. And the city is trying to put this kind of a Band-Aid on it and pretend that it's not happening. Oh, it's happening. And it's worse than people imagine. It's Yeah, that was one of my favorite part of it. So you took people from other jobs, just like regular city jobs, and put them in charge of a meth-crazed lunatic who's, who's staying at a hotel. Hey, librarian, be a hall monitor for the homeless. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Um, and this is oh. this is the place you may have it got national attention where they were uh, giving out drugs and booze and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. with the feeling that that'll keep them inside because if we don't if for, if, you, if you don't give the alcoholics their booze they're going to head out into the streets and that's spreading the COVID and that's that's what we're trying to avoid. Right, they'll bring the the vid back to the the bum arms the uh, the bum Hyatt. The uh, public records investigation <laughs> showed that so far they've spent almost four thousand dollars to buy the homeless guests vodka and beer. For instance, God, some of the writing in this story is really good. Oh yeah, she's good. Do you think they get room service vouchers? I'm just picturing homeless people ordering room service. Uh, San Francisco <laughs> is surreptitiously placing homeless people in luxury hotels by designating them as emergency frontline workers, a term that the broader community understands to mean doctors, nurses, and similar professions. That's something. I'm just going to read from her piece because I thought this was pretty good. Do I look scary to you? The man demanded. They're trying to evict me because I wanted more towels, but I'm homeless. They called the cops on me. He dashed out the door and around the grand circular entrance where two police officers attempted to resolve the situation. Soon a cab pulled up and an inebriated couple emerged holding full plastic trash bags. They fought, screaming at each other until the woman entered the lobby and her partner lit a meth pipe in the garage area. More of the frontline workers. Yeah, you there. just had a fight with your old lady, so yeah, a couple of hits of meth just to calm down. That's more of the frontline workers that they're there at the hotel. People wow. don't lie and deceive unless they have a reason, generally speaking, unless you're a true sociopath. Calling those bums and junkies frontline workers it's is F-L-W- a deliberate w- effort to deceive. If it's, L- it's FLWH, are you against FLWH? Frontline worker housing. Oh, boy. It's just a great idea. Is smoking meth work? And, and uh, frontline work, no less? Yeah. And I just hope said, those two kids can settle their arguments. And as she said, if neighborhood residents were more aware of the influx of these new guests who frequently suffer from drug addiction and severe mental illness, as well as having criminal backgrounds, they might object. Yeah, I'll bet. Right, yeah, that's why they're you know masking what they're doing. It's not making things better. It's actually making things worse. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know what the answer is to this. I was somewhere yesterday, probably close to the radio station, where I saw some obviously uh, very inebriated human being in the middle of the day stumbling around with their bag of goods. And are they mentally ill or just drug addicts or drunks? I don't know. But I've been texting uh, last couple of weeks with a guy I know who is a who is an alcoholic, <clears throat> and he had been sober for a long time, but he started drinking again, and he just can't stop again. And he's a, he's a gets up in the morning, dedicated to not drink, ends up drinking again, you know, can't go to work, blah blah blah, that sort of thing. Oh wow! Now I realize some of you don't believe there's such thing as alcoholism, and that's fine. You get to, um, uh, but if you do believe there's such thing as alcoholism, if this guy who's got, you know, support group and means and all that sort of stuff isn't stopping, mm-hmm. I won't use the word can't, I'll say isn't stopping, what are you going to do for the person on the street who doesn't really even have any interest in quitting? Right. How are you going to make them stop? This guy, I, I text with him all the time, I mean, he desperately wants to quit. I mean, he's just miserable. He's worried his life is going to get ruined beyond the point of, like, ever recovering it. Blah, 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 blah. Right. What are you going to do with the person that has no interest in quitting, who's who's kind of enjoying the party? They're, you know, 30 years old living in the park. Just put them over there and don't let them uh, impact people's uh, quality of life or break any laws. It, it, my grand unifying theory of society, which I've expressed more than once, is that 
order without compassion is is fascism and brutality, and you absolutely don't want that. But we're getting the opposite of that in Freeattle and Portlandia and San Francisco with their bum hotels. Um, it's compassion without order. And if you have compassion without any demand for order or compliance with the basic rules of society, you end up with chaos, ugliness, disease, and death. And a, a functioning society is like a parent, and this one may be a little painful for you, Jack, but you know what I'm talking about, where the doctor asks you to help hold on to their kids so they can get the shot that's going to make them healthy again or or save them or a, an inoculation that they really need. You don't want to restrain your kid. Your kid's in pain. And and your kid is thinking, Dad, I thought you were on my side, the rest of it. But you understand this is a difficult and painful thing, but one that I must do. Societies that are that parent are healthy, functioning societies. Societies that are the parent that can't handle that responsibility are Seattle, Portland, and San Francisco. And, and the kid runs wild and has diseases and is undisciplined and the rest of it. We have lost the capacity for adulthood, I think, in this country. That we have way thrown off our balance of uh, of uh, order and compassion. Well, I'll tell you one thing: if I am a drug addict or you know a, a drunk, and I'm in a hotel, let alone a luxury hotel, a hotel at all, well, I'm in a room. Turn on the air conditioner. Yeah, I'm not quitting anytime soon. Right. I'm probably not going to crap the bed. I'm not Amber Heard over here. But, um, <laughs> no, these people are, are wasted and or crazy or, well, and yeah. or crazy. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, it was funny. When San Francisco announced that plan, I thought, wait a minute, you're going to have hotels full of junkies? What do you think that's going to turn into? <laughs> oh, boy. So, um, home security seems like a good idea. It's always seemed like a good idea. Probably better now than more, more now than ever. Why not get the best simply safe, best overall home security of 2020, according to U.S. News and World Report? And one of the reasons it's so great is nobody's going to be coming to your home. You're not locked into a long contract, and it's not super expensive. Right. They don't have that expensive, messy installation where they drill a bunch of holes and stuff. Now, understand, Simply Safe is every bit as effective. You got your your doorbell cameras and your alerts and your sensors. Nobody's going to bust into your house in the middle of the night without you knowing it. But it doesn't have the long contracts and the expenses. You install it yourself. It's effortless. I've done this. It's easy. Head to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong and get free shipping, 60-day money-back guarantee. There's no risk here. Just go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong to make sure they know that you were sent by us. Yep. There's 24-7 professional monitoring, super affordable. Simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Yeah, I don't know if you gave me this story yesterday, or Sean, and I lost it or what. I remember we talked about... There are some predictions as to how far behind kids have slid. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> through online schooling already. Oh, boy. Let alone doing a whole nother semester of it. And this was specifically uh, focusing in high, on high school kids where, you know, you'd, you, would, you would hope that you're more dialed in on some stuff you couldn't slide back. Wow. Let alone, like, like I was talking about second graders. I know because I got kids that age. That's the big year where you really make the transition from being a person who can't read to a person that can read. Well, if you skip that year, what are they going to do with third grade? Which is all about you already know how to read. Right. And and you can catch up as a third grader, probably if curriculum is really well designed to catch you up. But Over Zoom? It's already a huge problem that kids show up to college now that everybody's got to go to college. 
no matter what it costs or how much government money should be involved and how rich the administrators get. Anyway, everybody's got to go to college, and, and college teachers are, it, they are unanimous in saying, what are you teaching these kids in high school? They get here, they can't read. They're not ready for college at all. Really? Now we're going to exacerbate that problem. So the, the it's, fi- it's a tough, a tough uh, situation we're in. Findings from the study, uh, if the students are receiving averaged, average uh, remote instruction, they are three to four months behind. If they receive below average, uh, seven to 11 months behind, and then even farther if they give, if they have none. I wonder what they mean by average. Yeah, I don't um, know. Because they're, they're, everybody I've talked to, it's been pretty bad. I- including great conscientious teachers who recognize sure. this ain't working. And I would guess those teachers are above average. Because they're self-aware, they care, and and they realize this. I'm I'm not keeping the kids' attention. They are not learning. No, yeah, it's troubling stuff. I've never at any point blamed the, the any of the teachers involved. Uh, you know, this was sprung upon you, and you've never done this before, and nobody ever even really thought about it. Oh yeah, before. A, you would have to have a unique and amazing skill set to keep the kids engaged and learning via you know a computer screen um well i'm not sure that having 30 kids on a screen the way it's so distracting for the kids themselves and everything i'm, I'm not sure it's possible no. I, I really like the idea of teachers meeting with a couple of kids at a time if not individually mm-hmm. and uh that seems like the best way to go about it i'll tell you what though the one thing we can't have is uh, teachers unions and the media uh, parroting the idea that we can't uh, we're not going to open schools till we know we can keep the kids safe which means perfectly safe, right. which is, it's n- it's never been a real ex- realistic standard in the history of humankind. And the costs, nobody wants to talk about the costs of keeping the kids home. And then, They're enormous. And then to tie the couple of stories together here, a lot of it is, we need more money at the schools. We can't do this well. Can't. How about we take some of the money we're using to put bums in nice hotels and throw that at the schools? Yeah. Huh? How about some of that money? Mm. Some of the bum money. Right. No, it's always more tax money. It's not reallocating the enormous amounts they take in. It's always increasing it. But. What What do you think? The text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Experts have recommended an alcohol limit for men. They've uh, d- gone down in the amount of alcohol they say is okay for you to drink. It's now what? One. It's now one drink a day, same as for women, they claim. Shut up. Who's this talking now? I don't know. Busy That's bodies. Jack. He's your co-host. Who? <clears throat> what? Who? <laughs> uh, U.S. Dietary Guidelines for America which are scheduled to be updated later this year for the first time in five years. Mm. The new guidelines will be one 12-ounce beer or a 5-ounce glass of wine a day. you got to be kidding me. But I get the tall for like 75 cents more. That's like 23 ounces. Why drink You're it all? You're wasting your money. It's like ordering a medium pizza. Yeah. I'm not Order gonna... a large, you get twice as much pizza. It's geometry. I'm not going to forget my problems or be able to dance <laughs> with one 12-ounce can of beer. Or approach someone of the opposite and or same sex, depending on which way I swing. Are you kidding me? Please. And what about my self-loathing? We didn't didn't even mention that. (laughs) You think a five-ounce glass of wine is going to kill that? The the number of 
<laughs> serious, smart black people who are lining up to say the white fragility book is idiotic, is increasing significantly. John McWhorter, who's a very well thought of uh, professor at uh, Columbia University, is a contributing writer at the liberal Atlantic, among other things, um, with a scathing takedown of this illogical, racist pile of feel-good Oprah-level crap. That's, I almost dropped an s That's being treated by the Tonight Show and the Today Shows of the world. And, as, uh, and HR departments of all companies oh, across yeah. America. And high schools and middle schools and colleges. Excellent point, Sean. It's making its way into your um, some anti-racist training you're going to take where you work. Right. Uh, so he sets up the, a bit of the history of the book and that this uh, D'Angelo woman uh, has convinced university administrators, corporate human resources offices, and no small part of the reading public that white Americans must embark on a self-critical project of looking inward to examine and work against racial biases that many barely even know they had. I am not convinced. Rather, I have learned that one of America's favorite advice books of the moment is actually a racist tract. Despite the sincere intentions of its author, the book diminishes black people in the name of dignifying us. This is unintentional, of uh, of course, like the racism D'Angelo sees in all whites. Still, the book is pernicious because of the authority that its author has been granted over the way innocent readers think. And then he lays out that it's like attending a diversity uh, seminar. Um, but then sets up how, well, D'Angelo spent a very long time conducting the diversity seminars in which whites, exposed to her, exposed to her catechism, regularly tell her, many while crying, yelling, or storming toward the exit, that she's insulting them and being reductionist. Yet none of this seems to have led her to look inward. Rather, she sees herself as the bearer of an exalted wisdom that these objectors fail to perceive, blinded by their inner racism. D'Angelo is less a coach than a pro, uh, proselytizer. When writers who are this sure of their convictions turn out to make a compelling case, it's generally exciting. This is sadly not one of those times. Even the white guilt and politesse have uh, apparently distracted many readers from the book's numerous obvious flaws. For one, D'Angelo's book is replete with claims that are either plain wrong or bizarrely disconnected from reality. That's a lot of complicated words. I like the way Matt Taibbi just called it horse S. <laughs> that it is. And uh, he uh, he mentions the Jackie Robinson section, which everybody mentions, which is just bizarre, in which D'Angelo posits that white people all believe that Jackie Robinson was the first black man good enough to play in the major leagues. There is freaking nobody who thinks that. Nobody. It, the, the book strikes me as much more confessional than she would want it to be. It, it says so much more about her internalized thoughts than it does about white people's in general internalized thoughts. Well, you can't, I don't blame somebody for writing a book. I do blame people for, for, for picking it up and taking it as, a, as the new Bible of right. how we're supposed to move forward. Yeah, later in the book, D'Angelo insinuates that when white women cry upon being called racists, black people are reminded of white women crying as they lied about being raped by black men eons ago. But how would she know? Where is the evidence for this presumptuous claim? An especially weird passage is where D'Angelo breezily decries the American higher education system, in which she says, no one ever talks about racism. I can get through (laughs) graduate school without ever discussing racism, she writes. I can graduate from law school without ever discussing as she goes on and on. I am mystified, McWhorter writes, that D'Angelo thinks this laughably antique depiction reflects any period after roughly 1985. 
For example, an education school curriculum neglecting racism in our times would be about as common as a home unwired for electricity. Again, just bizarre and inaccurate. D'Angelo's depiction of white psychology shapeshifts according to what her dogma requires. On the one hand, she argues in Chapter 1 that white people do not see themselves in racial terms. Therefore, they must be taught by experts like her of their whiteness. But for individuals who harbor so little sense of themselves as a group, the white people whom D'Angelo describes as oddly tribalist, oh, she describes them as oddly tribalist when it suits her narrative. White solidarity, she writes in Chapter 4, requires both silence about anything that exposes the advantage of the white population and tacit agreement to remain racially united in the protection of white supremacy. But if these people didn't even know about whiteness in Chapter 1, just what are they defending here in Chapter 4? And he goes on and it just beats the hell out of it. And it's good. It's strong. That book is a pile of crap. And, and as pointed t- tell out, your friends that. As pointed out by a bunch of really famous liberals. Right. Yeah, it's garbage. It is barely Oprah-level, self-help, pseudoscientific garbage. If you get next hour, we've got a teacher weighing in on Zoom classes. If you don't, get the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.